trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. If you're struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. Is that many people who suffer severe trauma do this to themselves. We get caught up in this cycle. I've got to get something done. I've got to do this. I've got to owe this. And then the day gets away from you, as we all know it does. We all get caught up in doing things that we need to do to survive. Uh, and then people who have children, I don't have children, but people who have children get caught up in, in cycles with the kids and everything. And then we all know how this goes, right? Uh, it is very important to take those moments for yourselves. I cannot stress it enough. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. Dr. John Boyle is accused of killing his wife, Noreen, and burying her body in the basement of his new home in Erie, Pennsylvania. The 12-year-old son finally took the stand. As I heard a scream, I heard a thud. It was about this loud. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself, and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Hey, movers! Welcome back to another episode of Moving Past Trauma. I'm your host, Collier Landry, and what's going on? I was not planning on doing this live today. Because in an hour, I am interviewing Dr. Romani, who, if you guys are familiar, she has her own channel here on YouTube. She has a podcast called Navigating Narcissism. And uh, let's see, let me make sure. Enjoying COVID coffee? <laughs> no COVID coffee from China. Uh, well, obviously, you guys can hear me. I was like, oh, is the sound working? But um, no, in all seriousness... Uh, Dr. Romani is going to be joining my other podcast that I have with Tara Newell, Survivor Squad, in about an hour and change. So I'm very excited to interview her. I have been on her program, Navigating Narcissism, as has Tara. And uh, we have, um, we're really excited to talk to her. So um, I'm super glad that she decided to do an interview with us because she's awesome. So we love Dr. Romani here on this program. Uh, so uh, the defense yesterday rested in the case of Lori Vallow, Daybell, without calling any witnesses. What do you guys think about that? I personally, and again, I'm not somebody who follows a lot of, you know, a massive amount of true crime, but I am someone who uh, has been drastically affected by it. I, um, I don't think I ever recall anyone, not any defense, not calling a witness for the defense in a trial, let alone a murder trial. Now, obviously, I think that I think that we all, using our common sense, um, can recognize the fact that uh, perhaps, maybe, um, what she, the murders that she committed or is accused of committing, there probably is no defense for that, to be honest. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't blame them, but my goodness, like, really? I guess there's no A for effort? I don't, I don't really know. Uh, yeah, so now did you guys see these text messages that she had sent? Because those I also found really, really interesting. So apparently the defense, or sorry, the prosecution in uh, their, their mountainous 
discovery of evidence had there was a a gentleman or a yeah a gentleman in the FBI Doug Hart who is a retired FBI agent who was originally working on the disappearance of JJ and Tylee Ryan in September of 2019 and his courtroom his uh, his sorry his testimony in the courtroom last Friday he explained that Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell had used percentages to refer to how close the children were to death and others were. I, I think, like all of us, I still struggle to wrap my head around this. And I really, uh, my hair is flipping out. Oh, no, my hair is flipping out. Uh, I think that, um, I think that, when we thought that it couldn't get any worse <laughs> and it kind of has uh and when reading these text messages and i'll read some of them to you and i know a lot of you have followed this as you're saying and i totally respect that you have to uh just so you guys know i am just discovering all of this which i find really really fascinating and absolutely heartbreaking for these children and for the family because i don't really as someone who's dealt with a psychopath, nothing surprises me anymore. You just got to be prepared for everything. But this one is, this is like the one that really just stuck with me because they believe that the kids were becoming zombies um, or whatever. So therefore, see, I'm trying to fix the hair. I'm getting, getting a lot of, getting some things about the hair. Um, yeah, it seems to get worse every day, Black Widow. And I, um, oh, hi, Susie. How are you? Nice to see everyone. Yeah, they believe these kids were zombies, and that's why they had to terminate their lives, which I don't quite, I don't think any of us can rationalize, right? But they, uh, they basically, Daybell had texted him, texted her, uh, Lori Vallow, and said, I turned up the pain to 10 and placed a spiritual virus in her referring referring to tylee ryan and i don't know what this spiritual virus is viruses or what i mean now there was dna that was supposedly found in a pickaxe um and obviously tylee ryan's body i believe was burned beyond recognition so the uh they didn't know what she had passed away from or what was ultimately the cause of her death. Oh, thank you so much, Dom's mom, for the super sticker. I really appreciate it. Uh, the flipping out is so cute. No offense meant at all. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, it is flipping out. Um, but uh, I just, <laughs> and I hate to laugh about this, but I, I, the level of evil that these people have stooped to is really dumbfounding to me. And it's dumbfounding to the point of, like, for those of you who've seen my film, and I'm confronting my father in prison, and we're, we're uh, I'm talking to him about the core, the, um, the cause of death report, or whatever, I'm, I'm losing my, my grammatical decay is set in. So um, when I had seen the case file of my mom's murder, I had said, she, I discovered that she was killed by blunt force trauma to the head. And I'm trying to explain that to my father and saying, what was the blunt force trauma? Then he's got this excuse how she hit her head on a dresser or something or table. 
and then um and then I said, well, how did you put the, you know, why was there a plastic bag over her head? Oh, I put the plastic bag over her head. When the coroner's reported said my mother was died of suffocation, right? Blunt force trauma and suffocation. And he's trying to justify all of it to me. And I remember thinking, okay, this is, for the first time in my life, I had realized that this man is for sure a psychopath. And when I read these text messages that they're engaging in, turning up the pain level to 10 because she's a zombie. And then there's other ones where, where they have described, again, this percentage of what is <clears throat> what their uh, life is, what life is left in them percentage-wise, zero being obviously no life left in them. Uh, again, somebody said the death penalty and there was no death penalty in this case. And I don't really quite... I think that a lot of us go, okay, well, they deserve the death penalty. But honestly, I think they deserve to just suffer in prison, in silence. I remember, uh, for those of you that watched the Letitia Stalk or Stock, or I, I've been corrected on the pronunciation. The fact is, is I've heard it pronounced a hundred different ways. But this Letitia Stock case, that it, she just got convicted on Monday and sentenced, and when her, well, I guess now ex-husband, Al, was speaking, who's, I don't know if you guys caught this, this uh, victim's impact statement that he made. I didn't see um, Gannon's mother's statement, but I saw Al's. It was heartbreaking. I was crying. I was like, this is terrible. But uh, one of the things that he asked for <laughs> was her to sit in solitary confinement for every potential year that Gannon would have been alive. So he said, he was very scientific about it. He said the average male life expectancy is like 77 years old. So he died when he was 11. So that would be 66 years, uh, 66 years in, um, in solitary confinement. Well, not 66 years, but 66 months. And what that would translate to, and then that she serves out the rest of her sentence in general population. I, there is, and, and you know, I had brought Justin Brooks on this program, who is a defense attorney with the California Innocence Project, who talks about his clients being stuck in solitary confinement. I've watched several documentaries about solitary confinement. And I have uh, obviously been in prisons before and seen these situations. I think that is the worst that you could do to someone. And I think that somebody like, a Lori Vallow, if and when she gets convicted, I'm going to pretty much say that the, the even money odds are that she's going away for a very long time, uh, probably the rest of her life or two life sentences, um, is that she will end up most likely being put in protective custody, which is solitary confinement, which is 23 hours a day. You are locked up, I think, in some states, and I believe she's in Idaho so her solitary confinement is probably going to be worse. I think their solitary confinement is Colorado. Colorado, from everything that I've ever researched, has the worst solitary confinement in the country, the most strictest. And that's, of course, where uh, Leticia uh, Stauk will be. And then uh, Idaho, I think, is right behind them for whatever reason, but uh, the way that their laws are set up. So rest assured, I know that a lot of people are 
have their pitchforks out and ready to, to, you know, are upset about her not getting the death penalty. But it's because she's going to be stuck in solitary confinement. That's for sure. And that is not a fun thing. That is maddening. And for those of you that read <laughs> the Count of, was it the Count of Monte Cristo? No. Uh, well, Count of Monte Cristo, he was in, uh, he was in solitary. Uh, 105 North Tower of the Bastille. Oh, come on. Uh, Tale of Two Cities. Uh, you know, he's in solitary confinement in a, a very small room. And obviously there's madness, and, and, and we've heard that. And you, if, you, if you are a literature buff, you know, people like uh, Edgar Allan Poe also write about these things. But Telegy Cities talks about that, and it's not a very fun experience. So uh, she does have that to look forward to. And again, my experience in the incarceration system of dealing with my father and relating to other inmates and having been in prison myself, not as a convict, but as a civilian, going in and out of there, um, it can be a quite a social, it is a mini sort of mini society, <laughs> a microcosm of society. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people very get used to it. Routine is a big part of prison, obviously, just like the military, just like anything, big part of prison. And you can get locked into this routine and it just sort of becomes your daily day today, right? Then... <laughs> You have this not this this other routine of being stuck inside a cell and not being able to leave or interact with other people because I think that that is the worst thing. I mean, for anyone that wants to know what that's like, why don't you put your phone away for twelve hours and see how you do, <laughs> or don't get on don't get on YouTube or don't get on <laughs> Facebook and see how that how that works. Uh, you know, it, it, the connection to society. I think a lot of us realize like how bat crazy we went. Uh, during COVID. So you think about that and being stuck in prison. Um, she doesn't have anything to look forward to, that's for sure. In fact, a death penalty is probably letting her off. Uh, hi, Tara Newell. Tara Newell's in the house. And uh, Tara, I was just telling everyone about uh, Dr. Romani, who's coming on our program. I'm going to... Uh, we have... I'm going to look at some of your questions here. I'm going to put on the glasses. Uh Let's see what's going on. Thank you for those of you that have dropped me stickers. I really appreciate it. Your support helps make this channel. And uh, I did put a post out for you guys. So the sort of goal of all of this, I, I think, as I have explained to a lot of you, uh, and if you watch my YouTube lives and if you watch my Instagram lives, is that this is a daily show that I will start doing. But it doesn't happen without your support. And I realize that times are tough, so uh, I, I get that. Just sharing this show with people, sharing my content with people, helping me cross. I'm about ready to cross hopefully 25,000 subscribers. If I can get in a couple hundred thousands, we're going to be sitting in a really good place where I can comfortably do all of this for you guys and give you guys the content that you want and, and have more research on cases and talk to more and more interesting people. I'm hoping to get a former FBI agent on the show tomorrow. Talking to her right now, she's a little technically uh, challenged, technologically challenged, so I have to do that. So, anyways, Muddy Soul mug. Also, when you buy merchandise, it helps too. I really like this mug. I think this is the 15 ounce mug, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I just feel like a late night host is like always has the mugs for the guests. Um, but yeah, the goal is, is to do this every night and to do this for you guys, and because it's really what I want to be doing, anyways. Let's just keep it real. Uh, so your support, sharing the content, liking, subscribing, all those things, they all really help. Uh, because there are a lot of true crime creators out there that are talking about this that have absolutely no clue, no personal experience. I don't need to tell you guys this because you're smarter at this stuff than I am. But 
your support means the world to me. Um, let's see. Are the AI looking taking over? Are the AI taking over? I don't know. Is the AI taking over? Little C, little C, little C. What is, I don't understand what little C, little C, little C is. Uh, Brenda Fisher. But um, I have a moving past trauma. The Mari Soul mug. Yeah, so I just made the Mari Soul mugs. Tana. Yes, Tana has bought some merchandise. Tana bought the coaster too, which looked beautiful. Um, but yeah, the, I, I, really, I really totally dig it. Yeah, they did a really nice job on this mug. Yeah, I'm very stoked about it. Sorry, I'm. It's a new. It's a new thing. It's a new shiny object. Brenda, stay strong. Your heart. Oh my God. What's uh, What's going on? What's Brenda Hickey, my nephew. Oh, I'm so sorry, Brenda Hickey. I'm so sorry. Oh, you love my glasses. These are the Amazon ones. I am gonna go get a proper prescription here very very soon, because uh, these are not cutting it. I really need contacts too. Lori's son phoned her. Yes. Okay. So getting back to Lori Vallow, and I, I'm kind of going to kind of, what do they call it? Butterfly. They say this, people do this, they butterfly. I have a habit of doing that. Uh, I rewatched the Sins of Our Mother uh, documentary the other night, and I'm very interested in talking to Colby Ryan, by the way. But um, two things that really stuck out to me which was the first one, and, and Tara and I do talk about this. Hi, Blondie's channel. Thank you so much for getting a super sticker. I appreciate it. Blondie, by the way, uh, not this Blondie's channel, but Blondie uh, was the name of my former Chihuahua that I had before Marisol, whose picture just came up, and then Marisol's came up next to hers. Uh, I had my uh, Blondie for almost 18 years, and she was a wonderful, beautiful little soul that I lost the end of October. Uh, Brenda Fisher knew her, got to know her. Tara obviously got to know her. But yeah, so anyways, thank you so much, Blondie's channel. You are channeling, you are channeling the spirit of Blondie. So one of the things that really stuck out to me, and Tara and I talk about this a lot with survivors and survivors of true crime or victims of SA or, or any kind of uh, familial situation which turns um, sideways, to say the least, for the algorithm turn sideways is uh is that charles vallow had sent text messages and ear actually sent emails to the family explaining what that Lori, what you know had had it out for him that he felt that everyone was in danger that she was essentially crazy and had and, and was possessed was very caught up in the religion and things of that nature and no one listened to this man. And the the thing that I found really interesting, thank you so much, Linda. The thing that I, the thing that I would, um, the thing that I really caught from that is when we're debating who, who Lori Vallow was, what she started doing is before Charles had sent that, those that me, those messages to the family and she was off doing god is what because it was just after they came back from i believe they lived in Kauai and they had moved back to phoenix or to arizona and she had sent a uh she she had started this smear campaign against him contacting all the family saying he's crazy he's trying to say things he's setting me up 
And that is the very typical response of the narcissist. The narcissists all do this. They all tee up this, um, they all tee up the, what they call the smear campaign. And that's what she did. And that's when I realized like, she's a psychopath clearly, because that is how, uh, that's how they start everything is the other person is crazy. They start to build this case because it's very, very calculated in psychopathy and narcissism and narcissism is a uh, from and as was explained to me by Dr. Romney is a form uh, a psychopathy is a form of narcissism and what they do is they build this smear campaign to create the case of the other so it's all about the other and then it's it's um it's uh unite against a common enemy is a lot of a theme of that that they do and so uniting against trying to unite the family against charles vallow so therefore everything that he was saying about her would be deemed uh you know irrelevant and no one listened to him which is precisely what happened before he met his untimely death at the hands of her brother who also apparently uh, mysteriously died but i believe he had like an aneurysm or a, or a blood clot or something crazy very scary stuff i want to answer a question from listeners Thank you so much, Yvette, for, um, for posing this question. Would you consider having a psychologist on about trauma and weight gain and how it can affect people, how it is a domino effect? Absolutely, I would. I would love to do that. Are you a psychologist? Would you like to be on the program? Um, uh, that is absolutely something. In fact, Tara and I were, were talking about this, and I'm not going to mention who we were discussing, but yes, trauma and weight gain is a very, very big thing. And I, as someone who when I was growing up with my father, I was abused because of my weight, because I was a chubby little kid. Now I was a chubby little kid because I was asthmatic and I was taking all these, uh, I was taking a lot of prednisone, which is a corticosteroid. And, uh, because my, my lungs were so bad. Like I, there was always getting infections. It was so bad for a few years. Uh, thank God that seems to have, you know, knock on wood, knock, knock on wood somewhere. Uh, um, I, uh, I had really bad lung infections, so I was just blown up like a little balloon because I was just always on these drugs that I took for a couple of years, uh, Theophylline and, um, God, I can't remember, I remember this, Theophylline and uh, corticosteroids like prednisone. So, um, but yes. I would love to talk about that because I do think, and as Tara and I were talking the other day, many, many people do medicate themselves using food or, uh, I know, for example, I, I talk a lot about doing exercise and right before I was doing this, I finally hit the gym, the gym for the pool, which I hadn't been swimming in, in probably like five days. Now I had done other activities. I mountain biked. I, I worked out here at the house. I have a little gym downstairs, but for the most part I had, I was not able to, to, work out so to swim which i really enjoy doing and i think that uh, i've been so busy trying to prepare for this program uh, survivor squad doing all these projects that i'm working on that i was very much uh caught up in my own uh, oh i got stuff to do and oh i can't do this i, I didn't prioritize self-care i didn't prioritize my fitness my physical fitness which is something that's very important to me for my trauma healing and tara and i talk about this a lot she does yoga a lot and um and we uh we're, we're talking about this on survivor squad and on our lives uh and even in our coaching on how important um self-care is and, and and exercise and and physical exertion is and uh 
I tend to like, I was like, oh, I'm not prioritizing what I need to do. I really want to go to the gym, but maybe I'm not rewarded by that. Or, oh, I need to get something done and then I can go do that. I play, I put a reward on it, which is a reward. I love to swim. So it is something that I really enjoy doing, but I don't prioritize that. And I, and I way too often that I care to admit will often put that as the last priority for myself, even though I know it makes my day better. It makes me feel better. It makes me a better content creator. It makes me a better host, podcasters, what have you, a better human being in general. Feel better about myself. It, um, it still, it still is uh, something that I, 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 I sometimes fail to prioritize. And I think that a lot of people, again, to answer, to, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, Yvette, is that many people who suffer severe trauma do this to themselves. We get caught up in this cycle. I've got to get something done. I've got to do this. I've got to go, oh, this. And then, and then the day gets away from you, as we all know it does. We all get caught up in doing things that we need to do to survive. Uh, and then people who have children, I don't have children, but people who have children get caught up in, in cycles with the kids and everything. And then we all know how this goes, right? Uh, it is very important to take those moments for yourselves. I cannot stress it enough. And I am sort of preaching to my own choir on this as, as somebody who needs to take better priority of that but yeah it is it is very it is very very key now somebody bought me a super duper sticker Susie thank you so much for buying the sticker you are amazing thank you it's incredible thank you so much uh oh yes and Tara, me too I had skin infections on my back uh yeah uh so I I was working with a skincare brand and I won't mention them because they, <laughs> they're kind of messing me about right now, but the skincare brand that I was working with, we, they, they do a lot for the psoriasis foundation. And, uh, there's another derm uh, dermatological issue that they were dealing with. I can't remember, not psoriasis, but there's another one, but all of these, as I, I was engaging with the, uh, the, the scientist and, um, and one of the dermatologists who obviously goes to school, who's been to school and educated for this and is a practicing physician. And I said, you know, how much of this does trauma play in? Do you guys ever talk about trauma? Do you guys ever talk about, you know, how trauma plays a role in skincare and your gut microbiome and things of that nature? And they go, no, but it does. You're absolutely right. We don't talk about that. We talk about, you know, other external factors. A lot of it has to do with health, how you take care of yourself, what you eat, <laughs> what you consume, what you put in your body, comes out of your body, type of things like that. Uh, so it's, 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 it's interesting um, how these things manifest themselves. I'm not a psychologist, but I am too asthmatic and I have to deal with trauma. Yeah, that on all those medications, so you know, <laughs> you know about the theophylline. Question, please tell us about the relationship your dad had in prison. Uh, are you referring to, well, I don't know much about the, about the relationships that he might have had with other women, perhaps other than the time that I went there and there was this woman who was much older than he was and way old enough to be my grandmother. And they were romantically kissing. It was very strange. She happened to come on the same day that I was visiting, which was very weird. This is when my father was in Lucasville. Uh, I know that he had a lot of admirers and uh, a lot of people. And I think much like 
people who engage in, um, let's say, dating apps, for example. I use dating apps for a long time. Uh, there's this interaction you have with someone and you, you can have a constant dialogue. I mean, it's why there are dating apps. It's why there are dating websites. It's why people do, do online dating. You want to interact with someone so they're fascinated by the prisoner story. <clears throat> and they become sort of their chorus of sycophants, as I like to say. Uh, Jay Guillermo 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 would be a great guest. Ta now, Tara and I on Survivor Squad, we are going to have an episode that we did with um, Ta Tanya Amen, who is the wife of Dr. Daniel Amen, and I'll let her put the books in in the chat here. I don't know what books he wrote. I kept saying the body keeps the score, but it's not him. She told me it was something else. I got corrected on that. Uh, <clears throat> but I'll put those in. Yes, my dad makes your skin crawl. Yeah. Hybristophiliacs. Hybristophiliacs, I believe, are the... Oh, I didn't press the right thing. Hybristophiliacs hybristophiliacs, which are <clears throat> people who are obsessed with people who are incarcerated, correct? Is that another channel? Uh, yes, it will be another channel, but Tara Newell and I have the, have the podcast, uh, which is there's no video portion of it out yet. It's only out in audio form. We release another episode tomorrow with uh, Rita Isbell, who is uh, her brother was uh, unalived by Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, he was one of his, I believe, last victim, one of his last victims. And she was in a Vice documentary that we had come out last Thursday. <clears throat> so. Brenda, don't encourage that. Don't encourage that, please. Uh, change your brain, change your life. That is the book and the power of the female brain. There we go. There we go. Uh, the body keeps the score. Yeah, I don't know who wrote that. <laughs> so anyways, if you guys watched my episode I put out yesterday about Letitia Stauk, what did you guys think of the verdict? And what did you guys think? I was, I was talking about the solitary confinement thing, which I'm sure no doubt she will also be in solitary confinement. And, and a few of you wrote in uh, comments because you had way more information again about these things than I do, but uh, that she had a whole laundry list of crimes that she was guilty of and things of, you know, making fraudulent police reports and, uh, and, and DV issues and things of that nature that were just very, very petty theft things. I mean... It was a lot. She had quite a laundry list of, uh, of, of things she was doing. So um, no surprise, really. I was very surprised to learn that she was uh, a school teacher, that um, a school teacher that dealt with uh, challenged kids. Like, how does that happen? But <clears throat> I'm curious what you guys think about that. Call your local honey has almost cured your hay fever. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, Right now, my nose is just probably very active from the pool. Uh, but yes, thank you so much. Um, and we have we have uh, going to have all kinds of unusual flowers here in California because we have had so much rain, and we're going to continue to get more apparently. So, anyways, I would love to hear what kind of questions you guys have for me. 
you're a half hour late. That's okay, Fayfar. Australia time differences. Yes, and I really didn't promote this because I ac I accidentally created this live for today. And then I saw uh, Lena Beautiful, I believe, had responded, can't wait. And I was like, oh, shoot. That means I got to do it now. <laughs> because I had just switched StreamYard accounts and now I'm on this. And, uh, and, and I was just trying to do something and it ended up creating it on YouTube. <laughs> it was very funny. I made it public and I was like, oh, whoops. But here I am. And I'm so glad to see all of you and thank you all for tuning in and all of that. So, uh, hey, by the way, let me share this with you guys. So I know a lot of you are very fascinated by, um, by prison and <laughs> what things go on in there and what prison gifts are. So this is actually uh, something that my father had made for me, uh, which is, a, so this is, I don't know if you guys can see this or not, with the glare. So this is an outhouse that my father had made for me. This is made out of popsicle sticks, if you guys can see. This is a prison gift. Uh, and then this is a little outhouse with a toilet. Very interesting. And um, yeah, that's what my father thinks of me. Editing in progress, it says. Call your Landry Productions. So in a very subtle way, it's very cheeky, but in a very subtle way, it's that he thinks my career is shit, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, but there you go. I have all kinds of interesting little little artifacts over the years that I'll be sharing more of. Um, and I always keep this on my desk, by the way, for you guys who are curious. This is my mother and I. Uh, I don't know if you can see that. Hey, you can see that. Great. This is my dog Gaudi. This is the my dog Gaudi, who is who is the dog that I had growing up. And um, when Children's Services came to take me out of the house, they said, "Oh, you'll come back. We'll come back and get your dog." And I never saw my dog again. But this is Gaudi. He was a wired hair fox terrier, and my mother picked him out. And uh, yeah, anyways, that was the dog I had for a few years growing up. Again. And that is one of the <clears throat> the things that I talk about a lot on here is uh, the consequences of violence, obviously, and what happens to these families. And uh, you know, as we discovered with Lori Vallow, she was while she was uh, she had looked up like what to do with um, uh, I believe uh, JJ's dog because he had a um, uh, either an emotional support animal or something of that nature. <clears throat> And uh, they, uh, yeah, she was looking for a way to either get rid of it or sell it. Uh, I don't know. So uh, I think they're going to do closing arguments tomorrow in that case, if I'm not mistaken. And we shall see. Because again, uh, as I'm going through these text messages that she had done and exchanged back and forth with her, her uh, soon-to-be husband, who, you know, then they offed you know, Tammy Daybell, uh, that, yeah, they thought that they were going to create this new Jerusalem with 144,000 people and Jesus was his brother and just real, real delusions that I firmly believe, especially when in rewatching that documentary and talking about the, the smear campaign against Charles Vallow, 
there's narcissism involved. I mean, I think it's like we we kind of default to that and go, oh, well, yeah, they were narcissistic because they believed that they had aligned to God and they believed that they could do all this and get away with this. But that is absolute, the smear campaign and all of that is absolute further proof of all this. Um, for those of you that, you know, oh, three, $3,000 service dog. See, like you guys know everything. You guys are so smart. So observant. All of you fans and, and um, yeah, and subscribers. I really appreciate it. Here's a question. Oh, LP is touring Northern America, I see. And you capture any of the magic on stage? And will I capture? I will not, probably. The smallness of the world LP is my faves. And L, uh, I lost on you an anthem to me. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much. For those of you who don't know, I directed the music video. It has 1.1 or 1.2 billion views here on YouTube. It is called Lost on You, live, with a singer named LP, and it's fantastic. I talked about it a few times. Uh, teensy oh bugger i just deleted the app uh yeah she tried to sell jj's dog for money here's a question collier by consensus of the room <laughs> you are gorgeous does that interfere in your life or do you enjoy it does it get you recognized more do you think um uh i don't know it's something that I'm, uh, and I think that, so I've worked in Hollywood for a very long time. And I have friends who are very famous. And one of them had said to me not too long ago, they said, God, if I looked like you, man, I would just, I would not stop talking about how good looking I was. And he was telling somebody about me in the room. And he says, you know, the thing with Collier's, he just doesn't realize that. And I just don't, I don't think about it. It's not something that crosses my mind. To a problem because sometimes I I, uh, I engage with people and it creates problems and I don't realize that that it's maybe taken the wrong way or something. I don't really think about that. Um, uh, I, the only thing I think about is my my eyes are beautiful and because they were my mother's and my mother had beautiful eyes. My mother always used to say two things. She's like, we have the same eyes and we have the same rose. My mother kept saying to me, "Call you, you should feel lucky because you have a Roman nose." <laughs> I don't know what that means, what a Roman nose is, but. She always said I had a Roman nose and I should be very happy with that. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, thank you. I really appreciate the compliment. Um, it's very humbling and uh, I'm sure it does create a lot of problems in my life that I'm unaware of. Uh, I think I think probably, I'll tell you what the biggest problem is, 100%. To answer your question, old lady Snoop, I'll put this question back on the screen. I'll tell you what problems it does create. And this is something that I think a lot of people can understand. It, the problems that it creates for me is that when people look at me, they think that I have no problems. Let that one sit. And that was probably, see, now I'm going to go in a whole rabbit hole. That was something that when you grow up in Ohio and when you grow up in a situation like I grew up in, and it was very obviously abusive and all these things, right? And horrific, tragically. Uh, you, you, you know, first of all, you grow up in Ohio. It's very myopic. You're not, you're not in a, in an area that. I mean, there's an obsession with celebrity and things of that nature, but you don't. But it isn't a culture. <laughs> you're just like you know, people are farmers, people are 
steel workers, people are, you know, automotive workers, people are janitors, plumbers, people are lawyers, people are doctors, you know, uh, and it's a small town. It wasn't until I came to Hollywood and Los Angeles that I realized that that was something that is a big deal to people. So I think that a lot of people, because they did not know my story, they just assumed that, oh, life has been easy for this kid. Oh, you were the, probably the, uh, uh, yeah, you were the, the, the prom king and, the the high school, you know, uh, football quarterback star and all that stuff. <clears throat> I don't think I was the prom king. <clears throat> I was junior and senior class president, captain of the tennis team, but, uh, I did, uh, I was definitely not prom queen, uh, prom king <laughs> or queen, but I think that one of the things that, that people, they just assumed like, this is a good looking Kate. And I remember being at a party probably like 2004 when I was first here. So I, I arrived in LA 2002, California 2001, end of 2002. I remember being at a party and somebody, so I, I had had a couple of friends that I was fairly close to and a couple of them knew, like nobody ever really knew my story until the film came out, but some of them knew more than others. And they knew like, you know, my dad, everybody kind of New Collier's from Ohio. His dad was, his mom was murdered by his dad or his mom was murdered and he was adopted. That's kind of the general thing that a lot of people, if they knew anything about me and my backstory, that's really what they knew. Uh, but I had some friends that I was a little more open with that I told my story to because they, they asked and I said, well, yeah, I'll tell you. I, I, mean, I didn't care. It was, I never really shared my story with other people because I didn't want to, um, I didn't, I never wanted it to lead me into a room, but also it's a lot to tell someone. <laughs> a lot of people have a lot of trouble dealing with trauma. And I think for uh, just in the most basic sense, when we talk about true crime, and again, Tara Nolan and I talk about this on our podcast, Survivor Squad, about the ethics of true crime and about victims and how there's a lot of victim shaming and blaming, but there's a lot of uh, um, deism, was that the right word? Uh, or de deification of criminals and of perpetrators and of violent perpetrators, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And these people are put on a pedestal almost, whereas the victims and the survivors and the families are often excoriated for their behavior. And one of those reasons is, is that, uh, you can't relate. Most people cannot relate to a serial killer or a serial person, right? You can't relate to that behavior. You can't relate to Lori Vallow, but you sure as heck can relate to who, uh, who the victims are hundred percent. And therefore that scares people and that makes them distance themselves. So a lot of times they're not receptive or they're, or they're the story, the story makes them uncomfortable. And I had to be very, very aware of how that affected the world around me when I told my story to certain people that weren't ready for it because they were like, wait, wh what? So back to my story of how this impacted me. So I remember somebody said, and they were, they were being, they were being shitty because they just assumed something about me based upon my looks. And at the time I was modeling, I was in extremely good shape and uh, I remember they said to me, they go, Oh yeah, you just probably, your life is so easy, buddy. You're, you're just, uh, you know, you had everything handed to you. Clearly look at you, you're this and that. And I didn't say anything because, and I wasn't really going to say any, I wasn't going to put this person in her place, 
But if my friend who knew my story didn't jump down this dude's throat and he didn't get aggressive or anything like that, he literally just said, oh, really? And my friend uh, was black that, that, had, that had taken my defense. And he goes, he's like, this is my brother from another mother. His name is David. So this is my brother from another mother, Collier. And you have no idea the story this man has, but it'll make your toes curl. Like you have no idea who you're talking to. And then he proceeded to tell him in this party and everybody was silent. And the guy just, it's like, I mean, it was actually kind of a great situation because the guy got put in his place because he learned to, he, uh, you know, he had assumed something about me just based on my looks, which by the way, anyone who is a person of color knows exactly what I'm talking about. And that's in, in, in my, just somebody looking at me and going, Oh, good looking white kid. That's the, that's the least of my problems. Imagine being someone of color that's judged to be criminal or, or whatever, what they have to go through. There's nothing. My, I, I went through nothing compared to what these people deal with on a daily basis. So let's just keep that very clear. But uh, I, I think this person learned their lesson. Like you don't judge a book by its cover, literally, because you have no idea what people walk through. And uh, that's a lesson I, I think that I've tried to apply in my own life when I'm talking to people too. And I think, uh, you know, you struggle for a lot of success in what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish with your life, whatever that is, creatively, professionally, monetarily. And um, it's easy to look and go, the grass is always greener on the other side. Oh, that person had it easy. But um, it's, it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. So I think that that person learned their lesson that day. Not that I really cared. It really didn't bother me because it was to be expected. It's like, of course you're going to judge me for whatever. And that's okay. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, but since you asked, <laughs> there it was. Am I neurodivergent? I have absolutely no idea what that means. Sasha Freedom. I have heard that phrase thrown around before, but I have no idea what neurodivergent is. This, this crop on my video is really bugging the heck out of me i do not know why it's doing this come on man yeah i have no idea school me on what neurodivergent is maybe i am neurodivergent on the autism spectrum uh am i autistic no one's ever told me that i have no idea <laughs> i'm so glad collier is real and not vain and conceited or just so beautiful oh thank you i'm definitely not Anything, I'm probably the opposite of that. But thank you for saying that. Uh, they are asking if I have autism, pal. Oh, thank you so much, Black Widow. <laughs> Such a different way of thinking, and it is high-functioning. It is a, definite, a different way of thinking, and it is high-functioning Asperger's. That's interesting. So do I have Asperger's? Never had that. Never had anybody say that to me either. Uh, yes, I am an artist, so <laughs> I'm just probably, I've, I have been a creative artist my entire life. Um, most of us are on the spectrum. <laughs> and, oh, thanks, Tara Newell. ADHD for sure. That's so funny. Thanks, Tara. Is this the Surviving the Survivor channel? No, this is on uh, the Survivor Squad channel. Totally different than Surviving the Survivor. Survivor Squad is my podcast that I do with Tara Newell. We will have a channel right here on ADHD, DDD, autistic, are they all the same thing? I have two neurodivergent teens and 
And so our hubby and I are super happy, so no worries. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I, uh, I would say Collier does not have autism. My son high functioning autism. He has too much sympathy for others. Um, so are autistic people not sympathetic? I don't know a lot about autism. Tara, uh, her father, uh, um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tara, but you've talked to me about autism before uh, a little bit. It's something I don't understand a lot about. Um, we are all like that. I went to art college. Okay, good. So I'm just an artist. There it is. I'm just an artsy fartsy artist. That's what it is. And I am very empathetic with people. But I mean, that's sort of how I was raised, um, is I was raised with empathy and compassion. So no, y'all, he's totally normal, been through hell, but doing well. Thank you so much, Lena. Beautiful. Uh, no, no, no. My daughter is sympathetic and autistic. Okay, so autistic people are sympathetic too. I mean, I think so. I don't, I don't know a lot about now you got me wanting dulce. Oh, dulce de leche, tres leches, pastel, tres leches. Uh, so for those of you who don't, well, why would you know this? I used to work in a Mexican nightclub, or, or sorry, a Latin nightclub. And one of the things we served in this Latin nightclub was dulce de leche. Oh, my favorite cake. In fact, I had it for my birthday this year. February 28th is my birthday, for those of you who don't know. And if, you, if anyone here sent me a birthday gift to a P.O. box... I'm getting them tomorrow. I didn't receive them and not thank you. I didn't, they, it's a long story. It involves a dog, but they, uh, they were not received, <laughs> but they were going to be received tomorrow. <laughs> a very long story. But so if you send me a birthday present and I get it tomorrow, I will thank you uh, because I didn't know I had them. I think Collier has some ass burners, ass burners today that's funny um i am extremely empathetic uh autistic my birthday is coming up and i want one uh yeah dulce de leche more chihuahua pics yes we will put more chihuahua pics ashley rose fright yes thank you uh 28th of when 28th of february is my birthday i'm a pisces what nightclub did i work at back then it was a um uh it was a nightclub and restaurant uh, called Yariba Yariba Tapas Teatro. So uh, Yariba Yariba Tapas Tapas and Theater. And we had like dancers and singers. I used to sing in the band too, occasionally. And I was a bartender and a shooter boy. We'd walk around with the shot. Oh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I was the only white person there. And I learned how to speak Spanish uh, because I had to work for tips. <laughs> <laughs> and I also wanted to know when people were, were talking about me. So my Spanish is, is not anywhere near what it used to be because I, I haven't really been forced to speak it for a long, long time. But um, I really do want uh, a Freudian slip. That's funny. I need to uh, get back on that. A lot of times when I work with Mexican crews, they'll come in from town. And by the end of the, end of the time we're working together, I'm very like back on my Spanish after about two weeks. It's, it's fun. It's cool. Uh, thanks for the information on Survivor Squad. The real victims are the ones that died and they crossed paths with the serial killer. Yeah, absolutely. And then the people telling their story. We have some fantastic episodes coming up. We have Kim Goldman, whose brother was murdered uh, in the O.J. Simpson debacle, along with, obviously, um, Nicole Brown Simpson. Uh, we have um, uh, Amanda Knox is talking to us. Uh, has talked to us. Uh, we've got some really fantastic episodes. We have about 30 episodes that are coming out over the next six eight months so tune in it's a really good podcast we got some really great reviews 
um, from people that are, and some survivors who have reached out who said, you know, and one of them was connected to our latest episode uh, about the betrayal. And she, um, she was, she had a lot of really kind things to say. And so when you hear from people who are affected by these things and how they weigh in, it's really, really amazing. By the way, for everyone that is here, it is almost four o'clock and I'm going to have to go very shortly. But um, I did this at three o'clock, again, totally by accident. But I'm wondering if the three o'clock hour, which is three o'clock my time, Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time is a good time for everyone that is listening to me. Because I know some of you come from other channels like Surviving the Survivor. They do theirs at 7. I was going to do mine at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. But I'm wondering if 3 o'clock is a better time for everyone. Let me know in the comments. Uh, and please, again, like, subscribe, share this channel, please. And for those of you, you know, uh, I really appreciate it because every little bit of sharing what I'm doing here, uh, the content that I'm creating helps build this little community that we are all cultivating and build this show. And I would love nothing more than to do this five nights a week. Uh, I think it'd be great. And then I can do all this wonderful research and have all these cool little clips and videos and talk to some really amazing guests, which I have some amazing guests coming up on the podcast you guys should check out. Um, I interviewed Jillian Lauren. For those of you that don't know who she is, she is in the uh, Stars documentary series called um, uh, Confronting a Serial Killer, which is directed by Joe Berlinger. If you guys don't know who he is, Joe Berlinger is probably the it guy in true crime for like the last 15 years. Uh, he's a director, very talented guy, producer. He did the Madoff series. He did the Clutter Family Murders. Um, uh, he's done some incredible work. And um, I know him because I met him because Barbara Koppel, the director of A Murder in Mansfield, was his mentor. And so when I was traveling around the, with the film Murder Mansfield, uh, I got to meet him and, and we engaged and it was very cool. He was at all the different film festivals with me. Very cool guy. And he's in the Vice documentary with Tara and I that aired last week. Uh, so check that out. But uh, so Jillian shares with me her experience, the trauma that she went through as a child. And uh, we do talk about the serial killer, but we also talk about her and her experience dealing with trauma in her childhood uh, that no one's really talked to her about. And um, so I'm really excited to have that episode come out. She's also, for those of you Weezer fans, she is married to Scott Schreiner, the bassist of Weezer, who ironically, in such a small world, how we're all connected, is from Toledo, Ohio, which is about an hour and a half from where I grew up. And we are both in the same area code, 419, shout out to Toledo and Mansfield. Uh, <laughs> So it's very cool. Um, well, if there's no more questions, I'm going to have to jump off. So Tara Newell and I can talk to Dr. Romney. Look, guys, I really appreciate all your support to all my channel members. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to all my Patreon subscribers. Thank you. Your support means the world to me. If you're interested in merchandise, there's going to be more coming. I'm going to put my face, little kid Collier on the, on the mug soon too. But there is the Marisol mug. It is fantastic. All the merchandise is available down here. It's all available on my website, callyourlandry.com. Thank you to all of you. Please like, subscribe, share, click that bell. Check it out. Thank you all so much. I love all of you. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to callyourlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, 
please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright Collier Landry.